Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I am talking to guest Aaliyah Walker. Aaliyah is the founder of Mojito Marketing Agency, an evergreen marketing agency and The Hill Creatives, a directory for black creatives. This year, The Hill also launched The Roundtables, an on-demand DEI training for small business owners. Between these two brands, she works with clients to create and implement marketing strategies that honor a client's values while achieving profitability. When she's not knee-deep in spreadsheets, creating data-backed marketing strategies, or campaigning for social justice, she's probably talking herself out of buying plant number 38. And who am I kidding? She's probably already bought it. Or sipping a single barrel 14-year-old rum. In today's conversation, Aaliyah and I are talking about culture fit when hiring and how most people think about culture fit incorrectly. When you don't hire properly for culture fit, you're actually doing your business a disservice. In addition, we also talk about how hiring for diversity is not simply checking a box, but it's something that you have to do beyond hiring if you really want people to feel comfortable, included, and achieve those benefits that a diverse workforce brings, like more profitability. So let's jump into the conversation. Hi, Aaliyah. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. Hey, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Yes. Can you kick us off with telling everybody who you are and a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So um, I wear a lot of hats, but I traditionally go with as email marketing copywriter. That is my go-to. Um, I've been working in marketing on and off for probably, not on and off, for probably past the last six or seven years. Um, in the past couple of years, I've taken a new direction. I am um, running Mojito Marketing Agency, which is an evergreen marketing agency. We really focus on helping people build intentional marketing styles and um, not all the flash thing and, and doing all the trending things, doing things that help you uh, grow steadily and um, build your business around your life instead of vice versa. Uh, and in the past year, I started a, a little baby project, which has grown a bit more, called The Hill Creatives. It began as a directory for Black creatives to feature us. Um, around the time of George Floyd murders, we were getting a lot of uh, reach out and like, you know, someone who does this, someone who does this. And I'm like, all right, here it is. Um, I create this one thing. And um, we did start incorporating DEI trainings for small businesses in this year, uh, which is really exciting for us. But um, that's what I do uh, in a nutshell. It's all the things, but yeah. 
Yes. And I just want to take a moment to say like how I met Aaliyah because I love plugging people that they're creatives that I love. So my branding photographer, Christina Jones, spoke twice at the Ill Creators Roundtable that Aaliyah put on. And Christina is amazing. So I want to give a shout out to her. If you are in the Tampa Bay area or visiting down and you want to get branding photography, look her up. If you're product-based and want to ship your product to someone to get amazing photography, look her up as well. She is great and such a joy to work with. And I was so happy that when she promoted the round table, because when I attended the first one was beginning of 2021, right? Or was that 2020? 2021, February. Okay. All right. It's been a long year. <laughs> Here we are at the end of December as we're, or in December as we're recording this, it's, it's been yeah. a long year, but it, it was great. And one of the things I really loved about it was the fact that I've taken some DE&I courses before, and I feel like they're always from a corporate lens where you're like, that's great, but what do I actually do within my small business? How does this actually apply to me? Or it was just so textbook that I'm like, but it doesn't address the feelings. And we are people, we have feelings, we have emotions that we're going through this and just be like, well, here's the textbook thing of what you should do and go apply it to your business that is much larger than like all our businesses. I'm like, oh, I just felt lost after everything. And with the the round tables that you put on, Aaliyah, it was, I felt like there was actually things that were actionable, that people were speaking yeah. to me, things that I could apply in my business. So when the second round tables came out, immediately signed up. Um, I knew it was a week that I couldn't attend and like live, but I'm like, oh, I'm getting those replays because it is going to be so worth it. And I'm loving all the content with it. Cause once again, it really hits the mark of providing actionable information that you could apply within your business, whether you are a super small business of just you or you're a growing scaling business. Yeah. That's one of the things that kind of, that was coming up so often. People are like, I'm not big enough to make an impact in this way. Or um, when I get a little bigger, when I'm ready to hire, that's when I'll start thinking about my DI goals and stuff like that. And that's, that's not at all true. It's as simple as how you interact with people. Um, when you do podcast interviews, when you do outreach, like anything you're doing collaborative, you can start thinking about how can I be um, more helpful than harm, harmful in a situation. Right. Yes. Yeah. And then what led to Aaliyah coming on the podcast is when they are doing a lot of the marketing and everything for the round table, she sent out an email about cultural fit and pretty much being like, don't do it. Like it's bad. We don't want it. And we'll get more into the whys and and everything as uh, this episode goes on. And I responded back. I'm like, but cultural fit is important. And here's why. And as we went back in some of those emails, we realized that we're really approaching this from, from the same spot. And it's like the way why culture fit is bad. I agree 100% and how to actually make sure you have proper culture fits that I was kind of approaching things from Aliyah was kind of approaching things from the same level and perspective and everything. And we're like, wait, wait, these are conversations that really need to be put out there because there is a lot of this going on where people are trying to look for culture fit when they hire but they're not looking for it correctly. And the way a lot of companies do it, you're actually hurting your company, especially if hiring for diversity, equity, inclusion is a goal of yours. Yeah. Um, I know we're going to get here, but one of the things that came up a bit in the round table is that we have these buzzwords, which we've warped the meaning so poorly that they're no longer relevant. Like culture fit, obviously you need someone who fits into the culture of the business. Um, but what it's come to mean is someone I want to have drinks with or someone I want to um, 
go have a vacation with or whatever it is when it should be someone who is aligned with the company goals, um, whatever those are. I mean, the revenue goals and that kind of thing. And that's one of the words that like, it feels scary when you hear it without any contacts. If a, co- if a company's like, hey, we're looking for a good culture fit, I'm like, eh, what does that mean to you? Um, right. so, yeah. Yeah. It was actually interesting. Like after we started uh, scheduling this podcast, I actually in my newsfeed got, um, got a link to an article that the title of it was, is culture fit discrimination? And pretty much like the way like this article went through it, I was like, oh my God, this is such a great article because, because it really is. It started talking about culture fit and it went through everything. Like you go to a bar or you for like happy hour, or you go to even the cafeteria at a college and you see that everything's pretty much the same. Like everyone who's there looks the same, acts the same. And it's really that, oh, the culture fit becomes that, that homogenous podge of people that are all the same. And we start to view culture fit is the people that are like me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you run into, that's running you into issues. And it's like, all right, well, if you have these diversity goals, but everyone's a culture fit, so you're just bringing more people like you. And then how is that aligned with these goals that you said that you had um, kind of situation? So, yeah. Yeah. I was actually speaking to a friend and I want to get your opinion about this the other month. And um, we were talking about diversity in the workplace and how studies are out there and show that the more diverse your workplace is, the higher your revenue is and the more successful you are. And she brought up, she goes, well, I've actually been doing a lot of studying on this. And there's actually a lot of studies that are now proving the opposite. That as companies are starting to try to become more diverse, it's actually hurting the company. And so we got into a lot about why that was and what these articles and studies and everything were showing. And it was that people are really looking to hire diverse people. So people that don't look like them or from different cultures but then doing nothing to change the culture of the company. And it's creating this, this tension. So it's like, of course, people aren't going to work well together. If it's like this thing of like, well, you were brought in to check a box, but we're not going to change who we are. And I want to get your opinion about that, about like this, this hiring for diversity, because you think it's going to grow your business, but then you don't do anything after that hire. Yeah. Um, like, it's always, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. If you hire someone to check a box and then just walk away, it's not going to work out. You're going to end up having to rehire shortly after and You're probably going to be disillusioned and go back to hiring what you did before. Um, but diversity is never something that happens by itself and works. Yes, you can hire people who are different, who are diverse in order to um, change what your company looks like, but you do have to go to the inclusion portion of it. You do have to go to the belonging portion of it. Um, You have to recognize before you even hire the people, you have to recognize how you got to this place. Um, Did you just get to it because you just kept hiring friends of friends of friends, which there's nothing wrong with it when you're starting your business. Um, But like acknowledge that that's what happened is that you did not go outside of your circles. Um, And you have to actually make the place safe before you bring people in or you're doing harm. Um, to people. So I think that's something that's really important. And it's something that it's not clicking. It wasn't clicking at first. Like last summer you saw, there were so many like heads of diversity, DEI being added to companies. And then you also saw like in the beginning of this year, a lot of them left because nothing changed. Um, I know I'm going like on a tangent, but uh, I think that's exactly it. You can't just look at, I'm going to hire for diversity. And now the problem is solved. 
Um, it's never going to work that way. Uh, but on the other hand, it always looks like you're checking a box when you hire a diverse person. It's always going to look like that until you put in the work. So right, um, right. if that's what you're hiring for, if you're like, hey, I have this new initiative, we want to change the makeup of the team. It's always going to look uh, performative until you do the work. And that's going to take time. Yes. And if anyone really wants, like, if you're a visual person and want a visual of like, I know what we're talking about when you put someone in a culture that really doesn't fit for your checking the box is on Disney plus there's this short and I, I forget the name of it, but I'll put it in the show notes. And it's, it's this, uh, this ball of yarn that is going and it's their first day of work. And this ball of yarn is so excited. And they walk into what probably I would say is best described as like a wall street, um, like stock trading place and everybody else in there is men in suits and they like she's just like trying to fit in she's so excited and everyone's just ignoring her because you know pretty much she's different and she doesn't really fit into what their their stereotype is there and they're going I think out to lunch or out to drinks and she's not included and and all this stuff and the second day this ball of yarn shows up completely flat wearing a suit to fit in and then everyone includes her because now she looks like them, you know, and then the second ball of yarn starts and, you know, she then kind of like looks at herself and is like, wait, that is who I really am. And I've changed myself to fit in here and decides that she's no longer going to change herself to wear the suit, flatten out this ball of yarn, and then goes at back to become this ball of round ball of yarn again to welcome that person in and to come and be be with them and make them feel comfortable and then of course you know Disney style it's like oh all of a sudden everyone's accepted but it is that that visual representation I think it does a good job of being like okay this person wasn't fitting in because of the way they looked or presented themselves and as soon as they changed themselves then the culture accepts them but then what about that next person? It's like, they really didn't accept that person for who they were. They accepted that person because they changed themselves to fit the culture as of the culture changing to fit the person. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good example. I mean, I love how they got it. I want to see that short, um, <laughs> but that's exactly what happens is all right. We got this opportunity and I'm going to fit in and try to make it work. And maybe it can, it, it can go on that way for one person. Um, but once they start actually bringing more people, they're like, oh, wait, I don't want to change. I see what's going on. I see that I'm not, it's, that's not a real opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's harmful that that happens a lot, but um, I hope in the last year, year and a half, like our eyes have been opened a bit more and we'll see people making more actionable change, uh, long lasting change, but that's exactly what it is. It's, that's what we've been expected to do for so long. Right, exactly. So let's talk about properly hiring for culture fit. So I know we alluded to it a little bit. So what does, and I know like you mentioned this before, but let's reiterate it again. If we're going to properly hire for culture fit, what does that look like? Um, it first and foremost means like focusing on the job description um, and not on their personal, um, their personal background and stuff like that. So like Yes, you want to get along with the people you work with and it'd be nice if you came best friends with them, but that's not the goal. Um, so focusing really on um, what they're capable of doing 
uh, sometimes that takes away from looking at what they've done before because maybe they they're fully capable of doing this thing but they've never had the opportunity so uh, less looking at you know the resume and where they went to school and that kind of thing and more looking at all right what skills have they developed um, and going through that that's why I actually like tests sometimes during the, the interview process so that you can see okay they've never had this but this is something that they're capable of doing um, but it's really just focusing on the skills that they have um, and what your company actually needs. It means being very intentional about your job description as well and what you expect to get out of it. Um, but those are the more important things. I think it's, there's like a, a segment of companies that stop taking referrals from their team because they actually wanted to go outside of their box. It's about looking in places you haven't before. So whether there are directories um, for specifically for people of color or for diverse people, um, like there are uh, directories for disabled people, there are directories for LGBTQ people, um, specifically people are looking to hire in those areas. So like looking outside of the box, being really intentional about job description and focusing on what they can do versus, um, you know, did y'all go to the same school or are you from the same neighborhood or whatever it is? Right. You know, you mentioned like stopping the internal referrals and um, I was actually working with a board where that was one thing that they realized that every new person was coming onto the board was recommended by a board member. And they're like, we're not getting the diverse board that we want that are goals because every nominee is coming from a board member and we're just continuing the same patterns over and over again. And just realizing that if they really wanted to have that diverse board, they needed to put in the effort to attract the people who would be able to bring in that, that different perspective. And for this board, that different perspective was really important because yeah. of the clientele that they served, where yeah. they realized there was a large percentage of their clientele that wasn't represented on their board. And they're like, that's not something we want. It's not something that we can be proud of. We need to make that change. Yeah. And I think that's so important. It's like, look at the, the people that you're work, that you are serving, who are your customers and your clients? Does your team reflect that? Um, and if it's not, you're going to, at some point have a disconnect. Uh, so really, really take that into consideration. You can't start bringing in a new type of client if you aren't serving them in the right way. Uh, so yeah. And I think that was one thing that you brought up in this last session of the roundtables. I think you gave an example of a company that they're like, we got to start attracting, um, I believe it was Hispanic clients. Yes. And you're like, but are you ready to service yes. Hispanic clients? Because yeah, you want to be diverse with your client set, but are you yeah. ready to do that? Like, let's just not check that box once again, when it comes to clients. Yeah, I, um, it was, are you ready? Or, and the, also the question was, are you even the right person? Yes. Uh, and that's something that comes up a lot. It's like, all right, I should be doing this. Like, but should you, or should you be supporting someone else who is doing this? It's not always that you have to spend your money or spend your time. Sometimes it's just like pull, um, pushing up someone who's already doing it. It's something that I talk about. I have a group called the Speakeasy where um, it's a group of marketers we meet every month and just talk about all things marketing. But like in this climate, it, a lot a lot of times it's about how to market around crises that happen and stuff like that. Um, and we mentioned, you don't always have to be the one spending money and you definitely don't have to put yourself in a bad spot to stand up for diversity. Um, you don't have to go broke supporting an organization or anything like that. So it's 
how can you be the most impactful? How can you not cause harm to yourself or cause harm to others because you can't pour from empty well? So like, should you be the one serving these people? Uh, is that something else that you're allowed to ask yourself? Yes. I love that. Yeah. Cause with everything, like, you know, especially coming from a marketing perspective, not everyone is your target audience. And trying to market to everyone and trying to serve everyone is actually going to do more harm than good for your business. And having those people in your back pocket, you know, some of the, the best referral partners that I have are people that perform services very similar to me, but we understand that we're not the best for everybody. And to have this network where you're referring back and forth and making sure that the client is getting the best for them goes a lot farther than being like, well, they came to me. I want this revenue. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it really is. It really is something I, that happens to me as well. There's someone who does like, I don't love doing this thing. I will give it to a person who loves to do this thing and does it really well um, before taking it for myself. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask your opinion about something that I recently came across. Yeah. So um, it was a conversation with somebody and we were, we were all talking about what diversity, equity, inclusion in the workplace means to them. Mm-hmm. And there was this, this one person, a part of the conversation that just, that was, was a minority, but pretty much says it's important, but I don't want to talk about it. And the more we kind of like kind of dug into things, it was, it was that they come from a culture where it is they're trained not to, I guess, stand up for themselves, fight against authority, that there is that hierarchy. So to them, it's, it means a lot to me, but I don't have a place to fight the norms. And I feel like there's sometimes we get into these things, especially with diversity, equity, inclusion in the workplace, where we, we don't want to kind of like overstep our bounds, make people feel uncomfortable. So we want it to be that two-way conversation of tell me what you need. I'm going to make sure I help provide it and stuff like that. But then if you have people that want it, but aren't able, because it's uncomfortable to them to stand up for it, even when you're say, I want to make sure you're comfortable. How do you navigate those situations? Yeah. Well, for one, a lot of us are just having these conversations with people who are not like us, like starting last summer. Like these are things I've been talking about with my friends years when for years when it comes to job hunting or appealing clients and stuff like that. But some of these conversations we're just having out loud for the first time. So some of it's a little rough around the edges. Like, hey, people aren't gonna hear that how I mean that. Um, so I'm still not, you know, some maybe I'm not comfortable having this particular conversation uh, in front of people. And it, you it's going to happen. Um, so acknowledge we're doing this for the first time. Everyone is doing this for the first time. So that's part of it. Um, but there are people who like that is just straight up and down their culture and you can't force people into situations. You can't, they don't always acknowledge that what's happening is wrong. It's, it's, it's one thing not to like stand up for yourself and want to speak out against things, but it's one, it's another thing to like normalize bad behavior. And I think that's where, um, other first people can like shine a light for them. Uh, so I think it's important for them to get into spaces with people who are talking, having these conversations, even if they're not the loudest voice in the room. Um, this came up in the creation of the model minority myth. Um, Nicole Yang did this presentation for the roundtables, And she said that like, as part of my culture, uh, as an Asian person, I'm not, not, I'm not taught to speak up against authority. And it's just something I'm not used to. And she's like, um, I'm going to start doing that on my end. And I know it might not reach everybody, but I'm going to reach the people I can reach. And that's something that's important too. You can't talk, you cannot pull everybody in, 
Um, so acknowledging that, I don't know if I answered your actual question. Yeah, no, I think it, I think you did in a lot of ways that, you know, there are, there are those norms that are out there and, you know, I, I think it'd be one of those things where, you know, if you could now, now, for example, that, that particular person, it might very well be the next course of action being like, Hey, there's this round table, go get the replays for it. I don't know if the replays are still available, but um, or, or stuff like that being like, you know, here's some things that, that might be a good resource for you. But I also feel like kind of knowing, knowing your place, if it's not someone who's a good friend to be like, you need to, you need to go surround yourself by people that are going to teach you to, to stand up for yourself. It might or might not be the appropriate things. Like I was thinking that in that particular situation is this person because of that, that whole culture norms is also doesn't want to speak up when processes aren't feeling right. And there's other things that, that it's like maybe helping them encourage them in those other ways to learn that, okay, um, here in, in the US, th these are our different norms and helping them realize what those different norms are in ways where it doesn't feel like you're putting them on the spot because of their culture and the fact that, that once again, not putting them on the spot because they are diverse. Yeah. And like we have to acknowledge there, there is no monolith. Like there is no, there's some things that there's so much gray area. Um, you don't know how someone is going to respond to it. Like we've had a conversation, I've had conversations about, is it gatekeeping or, um, is this cultural appropriation or like, what is going on here? Like, um, and depending on your perspective, you feel a way about some things and someone else who might be, you know, checkbox the same person as you feels the exact opposite way. Um, so it's, there's no right and wrong, which is also not a really helpful answer, <laughs> or it's not the answer from what you always want to hear. Um, but, you know, just like being as respectful as possible to people, uh, letting people come to their own stuff in their own time. And like, this doesn't just apply to diversity. It's something that we have to, I think for so long, we haven't been treating um, diversity issues as like normal issues, if that makes sense where we've been treating them like they're this own little thing off, but like, no, you can apply a lot of like relationship skills to how you work with people who have been disenfranchised. Um, so like consider, consider things like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that, that analogy. Like, you know, it is, it is those things. It's like, you know, the diversity is the forefront of our minds, but even if you think about like building your team and building your culture, everybody has different personalities they could be the same background from you, come from the same city, went to the same school, have the same skin color and everything, and they still approach things differently. They could be that introvert in the meeting when you are that extrovert. And it's not about bringing them out to learn, teach them and force them to be an extrovert. It's about learning how to leverage their introvertness in that meeting and, and stuff like that, where, you know, it's not, like I said, it's not just about diversity. It's about building those entire relationships and bringing those skills over to help you in this area. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of circling back a little bit to hiring for culture fit. I want to talk about like some of the things you brought up is first the job posting, accurate job descriptions. And I cannot tell you how much, like, I love the fact that you said that because that is one of those things where I'm just like, I read so many job posts. I'm like, what are you even hiring for? Like who is right for this role? Like, okay, yes, we know that they need to do X, Y, and Z. Great. But what does that mean in your company? Yeah. And like pulling out those things of like, 
And I think it's one of the reasons why, well, actually I know it's not that I think, I know it's one of the reasons that a lot of companies are having such a hard time hiring right now because people are looking for companies where they're like, yes, this is the fit for me. They're no longer just looking for a paycheck. They're looking for that fit for them. So if all you're going to do is say, these are the tasks that you need to do, most people are going to be like, all right, let me move on. Not worth my time. Like they want to read that job posting and say, this is the place for me. And some of the things that help them realize that is you talking about your values in those job postings. You're talking about how this role impacts the company. You're talking about those like kind of bigger picture things of who is this position inside the company. And then once you really know that well, where you can put it in your job posting, it helps you focus on the right things when you're interviewing. Yeah. Like one of my biggest pet peeves is, you know, entry level but requires three to five years worth of job experience. <laughs> That's not right. entry level. Um, but I think it, it your values is what's going to make you stand out because, okay, there's two copywriters at two completely different companies. Um, they could have the same daily task, but ver- someone who's going to apply to one versus the other is like, how am I going to fit in on the team? Does the team care about how I fit in? Does the team care about my mental health? Does that, those are the kind of things that are going to differentiate you all the time. Um, does it look like they put the equal opportunity employer fit on their job description because they had to, or did they go a step beyond and say, here are the things that we've been doing, or here are the things that we value or, um, and that kind of stuff. So that is so, so, so important to, um, someone looking right now in a market that is literally for the job seekers. Um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So that is one thing like I was wondering, like, I feel like there's a lot of the times when companies put that we're equal opportunity employers, like on their website, on their job postings is they're just putting it there because they feel like they have to. So like, obviously you said, like sometimes that once again, feels like checking the box. Okay. We put it there. We're done. Good job. Pat on the back for us. Like, what are, what are some of the things that they can really show like in that, especially in that job posting, because it's limited space. People aren't going to go and read paragraphs and paragraphs of information. And I feel like once again, if you list like here, are the, like the courses we took once again, where you just check in the box, like, how do you feel like people can really express that that is really a part of their culture when you haven't even had a conversation with the person? It's just in that written text. Yeah. For larger companies, like a careers page is going to do so much work. Like I've seen code of conducts, you know, culture codes and stuff like that on company pages that show beyond like literally beyond checking the box. Or here are our employee resource groups. Here are the companies that we donated to. Here is like our donation match. Or if there's something that you do in this area, um, you know, we have unlimited mental health days or, or have you, I think that's where you, um, where you can really differentiate that, okay, hey, I'm doing this because I want to, not because I have to, uh, start showing how it, it, it goes beyond the paragraph that you have to put at the end of the page. Um, so I think that's, that's really important. And especially if you can show you did it before last summer, <laughs> to me, that's very intentional, uh, is showing that. Um, yeah, I know, like a one-off, okay, we did this one training, one anti-bias training, that's not going to be super helpful, but oh, every month we do something or um, companies say we take off Juneteenth and um, like Indigenous Peoples Day or something like that. Like those are the kind of things that start saying, okay, they actually do care beyond that paragraph. Yeah, yeah. And okay, so you just mentioned taking off some holidays and everything. Cause I know that is like a big thing right now. Um, Cause a lot, it, let's, let's be honest. A lot of the company holidays that people take off or companies close for in the U S are based off Christian religion. 
And now it's like awakening, okay, not everyone celebrates the Christian religion. Uh, even there's people who celebrate those holidays in a way, but they don't celebrate it from the religious aspect. But yet there's a large percentage of our time off that is around that. Mm-hmm. How do we balance that? Because I know like sometimes with smaller companies, um, you know, they're doing, for example, I worked with a client that they are a 24 seven business. So even on holidays, staff needs to be on because of the type of service and everything that they provide. So they were able to do something where it's like, okay, you just have so many holiday days because it's yeah. one of those things. If you can't take off a holiday, you still then get to replace that holiday on a different day. So like, this is a way that really works out and balances. So everyone can take for the most part, everyone can take the holidays that matter something to them instead of saying Christmas is our holiday. You get to take off this date, yeah. this day, or this day, or this date for Christmas is like, oh, now understanding that those holidays around Christmas might not be so heavy of people taking off because some people might not celebrate Christmas and want to take off days that are important for them elsewhere in that holiday season of season period. But I think for other businesses, there's that line between do we close or do we just completely or do we let people take off and then what does that look like if we only have one person left in the office because the rest of the 10 take off for a certain day yeah I mean I've definitely seen the swapping out um you know if you don't happen like in it into companies with international employees like only certain you know only Americans celebrate American Thanksgiving so those employees work on American Thanksgiving and they got to take off something else of their own like Canadian Thanksgiving um was like the direct swap I saw um I think that's helpful is having I really like your idea of the idea of your company that um where they just had holidays like these are your holidays um I think I don't think there's a right or wrong answer I think definitely like making it more accessible for people um, is always going to be helpful. And in your opinion, what defines a holiday? So if you're going to do more, like you get 10 holidays, what defines a holiday? What defines a holiday? I don't know. Um, I mean, (laughs) that is an interesting question. Like what holidays would I personally take off? Like what days would I take off or, so, so I guess, and I could tell you, this is, um, I have a part-time employee and this is what I told her when she first started was, um, that there were certain holidays that our office was closed. And I, I went back and forth. I was like, what holidays should those be? Because I, I don't want to, you know, kind of like offend or force like anything. And I said, okay, we are a U.S. based office company. So we're going to take off every year, New Year's day. Labor Day, Memorial Day, Thanksgiving, and the day after Thanksgiving. Because the first Thanksgiving, I was like, do we, do we not? I was like, but we are a US-based company. So I'm like, Thanksgiving, I'm like, I'm going to put it in the mix. And then I said, for any holiday outside of that, they're welcome to take off. And I also defined it as they could be religious, cultural, or personal holidays. So I said, if you want to take off your dog's birthday and that's an important holiday to you, take it off. Like if the first day of school for your kids, if it's important to you where you need that time because you want to see the kids get off on the bus and off the bus or attend those things, take it off. Like to me, I feel like I wanted to branch this thing out of more than a holiday is just a religious day because there's people who don't celebrate a religion, that a holiday is more than just a day that the banks are closed, that there's something days that are very personal to a person. It could even be the anniversary of someone's death. And I was like, that is important to you. You should have the right to take it off. Yeah. Um, I love that. One thing that kind of 
irked me this year was people taking off Juneteenth to like go have a barbecue when I felt like the cultural days I I if you're not maybe you're not working like doing company tasks but I think those should be more learning days versus like hey let's just party um so for me like those aren't take off work holidays those are very intentional days so I've seen companies that are doing um this is a day of learning so you have to do something for that for indigenous people's days and that's how I look more at those holidays so will I celebrate them yes will I celebrate them by like going shopping or buying a mattress no <laughs> so to me they're important days but they're they're important to like recognize but um not necessarily like you know just chill out and relax I would still take the religious days I celebrate Easter a lot more than a lot of people do so like I would take that weekend and I would take my birthday those are the those are probably one my birthday Easter um probably I would probably skip stick to the other holidays that we have mostly on the calendar um but yeah, I think, I think like, I also think we've lost the meaning of so many of our holidays, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, um, Labor Day. Like we don't have, they don't hold this MLK day. Don't, they don't always hold the significance that they should. And I don't love that. I don't love that about how we do that. Yeah. I agree. And I don't feel like this, this past year and a half has really helped because I think there's been a lot of awareness to a lot of things, but also because of COVID, there's been a lot of celebrations or parades or activities that have been canceled like because I'm in St. Petersburg Florida and I know St. Petersburg Florida used to do a parade and a lot of other like kind of educational activities around Martin Luther King Day and they haven't been able to do it because of COVID and you know it's one of those things where it's like okay well now what do you do because there's a lot of those things that would help you celebrate those holidays or learn about those holidays you haven't have haven't had the opportunity to. So I'm hoping that we get back to a spot soon <laughs> where we can start having those things. But but I guess at the same time, just because there's not a public big celebration or um, learning opportunity doesn't mean we can't do things on our own. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's that's very true. Yes. All right. Well, we are getting to the end today. So before we wrap up, is there anything else you wanted to add about hiring for culture fits or diversity and inclusivity in the workplace? Yeah, um, I think it's important just to look at what what are the skills that someone needs to further your company, further your business um, versus like hiring for a best friend. Uh, because there's a big chance that if you hire properly, you will hire someone that you really get along with. So um, because people who feel respected and at work are always going to, they're going to, it's going to be a good situation all around. So I think that's just a really important focus on what is you need and not who you want to fit in the spot. Yes. And you have to think about it. What's going to make you happier to sign that paycheck that they're helping you move the needle forward in your business, or you can go have a beer with them on a Friday. Chances are you're going to be happier signing that paycheck because they're moving the needle forward in your business. So focus on the skills and everything that are going to help do that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because if you hire that person you want to have a beer with and they don't work, you're going to feel bad about hiring them, which means you're going to end up spending more money um, in the long run. I, I can't tell you how many people they're like, oh, I hired my friends. Yeah. Oh, they're not really doing what I need them to do in the business, but I feel really bad about letting them go. And I'm just like, okay, no, you have to let them go. Like you, you can't, you can't keep paying someone that's not helping you in your business. Like 
your business isn't a charity. <laughs> your business can do charitable things, but your business yes. isn't a charity. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And when you're growing, it's something that's really important. So maybe like your first few hires are not your friends, you know, or they're temporary or something like that. You know, it's a project versus like a full-time employee. Um, but yeah, you want to grow a business, not grow a friend book club or whatever it is. Right. <laughs> you can do that on the side. Because yeah. especially if you grow your team right, you should have more time back in your day so you can yeah. do those things outside of business hours. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Aaliyah, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Yep. So um, the best way to get in touch with me is on Instagram. It's Miss Aaliyah, M-S-A-L-E-I-A, or my website, Mojito Marketing, or The Hill Creatives. Those are really great places to stay in touch. So for those that missed the roundtable, are they still able to purchase replays? Yeah. So I do have a bundle of replays that are available on the hillcreatives.com. Um, and I've also broken them up based on like what it is you're looking for. So like I have a bundle for small business owners, I have a bundle for hiring managers and one for people of color. Um, so it might help you to, you know, figure out where to start that way as well. Sounds good. And I will say like, go invest, buy the bundles, buy the replays, because it is, it is, like I said, start at the beginning. It is full of so much information that's actionable for a small business and just helping you like as, as obviously like a cisgender white female, there's a lot of things that my eyes were open to, but open to in a way where it's like, okay, this might be something that you're doing that you're not aware of. Now let's take the steps to, to fix it, but not making me feel guilty and shameful about it. It's just like, let's take the steps forward. Let's create that world. Now that you're aware of it, let's move forward and let's build, let's learn. It was really that positive environment that that was needed. So thank you, Leah, so much for putting that stuff together for everyone. I appreciate you saying that. Um, Like moving through guilt is something that was really important for us. Like acknowledge it happened, but it's guilt's not actionable. So don't stay there. And I think that's another hang up that people have is like, I'm going to see how bad things were. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. We're really trying to get you on the other side of it. So. Yes. Yes. All right. Last question that I love to ask all my guests is we've all had leaders or managers, whether they are bosses or people in the community that have stood out to us. Think of a great leader or manager that you have had and share one thing that made them stand out as a great leader to you. Yeah. Um, so in my last life, when I was working a corporate job, um, I was interviewing for a position that like I had 110% of the job description. Like I had all of that going on. I interviewed um, and I got rejected from the position. So my mentor reached out and was like, uh, something's not right. This, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, I was rejected. They said I didn't have enough skills for it, but they did back channel and realized that, oh no, there was someone in line ahead of you. That's why you didn't get the role. Not that you weren't the fit. It's just like someone had been waiting around for this job before. And mind you, they didn't have the exact same skills. Um, they didn't, they were going to have to learn on the job. And so for me, it was very helpful to see that person stand up for me, like, and do their due diligence. And then also help, they helped me leave the company because <laughs> they're like, all right, um, you can sit around and wait another year or two for something else to come up, or you can use what you have and find something better. Um, so I think a really good manager, a good leader is focused on, yes, the business objectives, but also helping the people who are underneath them do the best for them that they possibly can, whether that's they're moving off the team or, or, or moving something they have to do. Um, but yeah, so. Yes, I love that. And I love that they won, went to bat for you, finding out that information that they could share with you, getting you more detail, 
fighting for you in so many ways, but then also helping you achieve what was best for you. And I feel like there's so many people it's like, but I can't have people leave my team. You know, I'm going to be judged because people leave my team. And it's like, sometimes people need to leave your team. It's what's yeah. best for everybody. And we cannot be selfish and be like, but I'm, I need to keep this person. It's like, no, you let people go, let people thrive. One of my clients I worked with this past year, she runs a small business. And so she only has about uh, five employees. It's actually a chamber. So with a chamber, chamber's not going to get too much bigger. You know, chamber is not going to have, doesn't have a lot of hierarchy within it. So she understands that there's no place for growth within the company if people want to move. So she says, you're going to learn a lot when you're here. You're going to make a lot of connections. You give me two to three good years. I will help you find your next position because you can't grow in a hierarchy here because it doesn't exist. So let's help you grow elsewhere if that's what's right for you. Yeah, yeah. And that's only going to help you out when it comes to hiring again. It's like, hey, my last five employees now do this, this, and this, and that. Um, yeah. So looking at it from that perspective as well. Now you're definitely going to get the newcomers who want to come in and get that same level of experience where they can go do great things. Because um, gone is the world where we stay in a company for 20 to 30 years. Right. <laughs> Right. And if people do say that long, it's because there's that, that growth, they can go up the ladder there. So especially when you're bringing in new employees, and if you don't have a ladder for them to climb, you don't want that to turn people away. So to be able to express, here's how I'm going to care for you and help you and understand that this position is one stop on your career journey. Maybe by the time you're ready for that next position, I'll have that next position internally. But if I don't, I'm not going to be selfish and hold you here. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Leah, thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast today. Thank you for having me. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.